0: Good afternoon and welcome to this
1: Monday, October 10th edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10, brought to you in part by the Brown Funeral Home and Cremations, Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. Spencer, Nick, and Colin hanging out with you today. As always, it's a Monday here. We've got a lot to recap from high school football on Friday and Saturday to college on Saturday, specifically Shepard, and then on Sunday with the NFL. Uh, originally, we had it at twelve fifteen, but he's already on the line now. Uh, might as well talk Hula Bowl after we talked last week, Joey Fisher getting the official invite, the first player from Shepard to ever be invited to the Hula Bowl uh jimmy williams the assistant director of scouting for the hula bowl he's on the line how are you doing today jimmy
2: uh doing well man a great day today
1: yeah it is a great monday here and uh for you you had the ability to come to shepherd a few weeks back and uh and see joey in action but now he's gonna get the official invite to the hula bowl last week uh what was uh, the scouting like for you? What What is exactly your job in with the Hula Bowl? What does it do?
2: Well, uh, I'm the assistant director of scouting for the Hula Bowl. Um, the director actually being Damon Talbot, um, and really what that entails is a lot of things. I mean, obviously we're looking at uh, talent from all over. Um, we have uh, scouting interns that are really all across the country that we're just trying to get um, you know talent from you know. From the big schools and, and also like the small school level, like at Shepherd. So um, I was just uh, very fortunate enough to go out and, and watch a really a nail biter of a game a couple weeks ago, um, and that was that was a lot of fun to watch them like uh, come down to the wire and actually you know get a W.
3: Hey Jimmy, this is Nick Verzolini uh, What can you tell us about? Uh, The Hula Bowl game, how similar is it to the other college all-star games? What kind of players typically play in it? And uh, just stuff like that, a little bit of information about the Hula Bowl for people that may not be familiar.
2: Sure, sure. So um, Hula Bowl has actually been around for uh, quite a long time. Um, It actually dates back to uh, late 40s, um, where uh, originally it was a game meant to um, have like the – the players, like in Hawaii, really interact with um, you know some of the people that played on the mainland. Um, but it has since uh, obviously branched out and, and made itself into an all-star game. Um, they uh, they did take a, a, a hiatus for a while um, after the I want to say the 2008 or 9 season. They took some time off, and so there wasn't a hula bowl for some time. Um, but then they came back a couple years ago um and um we've been very fortunate enough to uh, you know bring in a lot of uh, you know great talent um to kind of look back into our history we have actually a great history of players that have come through the whole hula bowl um people like uh, deon sanders rod woodson dan marino tony dorsett um and so some of the obviously some names that you guys uh, all know but um it's just a, a wonderful opportunity it's going to be um in Orlando, it was in Orlando this past season, and uh, will be in Orlando, Florida, um, uh, at least for for now, um, uh, because uh, the stadium that it was in in Hawaii, um, apparently, that's being uh, rebuilt. So uh, that's the situation there.
4: Jimmy, Colin McLaughlin here. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Mix today. Uh, what stood out to you about Joey Fisher's game to uh, have you guys decide to invite him to the Hula Bowl?
2: Well, really, um, I think what, what, you know, you see um, in – let's just, ju- just le- level with it. Uh, Shepard in and of itself has been uh, a very great program um, with a very prolific offense. And, um, I mean, no doubt I think a lot of the love is being given to the quarterback. But, I mean, let's just face it. I mean, uh, without the guys in front of him, um, he really wouldn't be able to do what he does. He really wouldn't have the time to do what he does. So um, you get a guy like Joey who can really, um, you know, protect for him. I mean, uh, if you were to watch them, I mean, uh, you know, Baygent does have a tendency to roll towards his side, so he is, um, you know, still protecting him. Um, but um, he just got some uh, some grit to him. You know, a, a guy who, um, you know, really commands the offensive line, um, is a great leader, Um, and um, just has a lot of, uh, uh, even some versatility, Um, we decided to actually bring him into the Hula Bowl. uh, Joey and I have already had this discussion that he's probably going to end up being a guard in our game.
3: Uh, So, Jimmy, I know it's early right now to maybe make these projections, but uh, where would you, I guess, right now give Joey Fisher a grade in terms of, where we could see him in the draft in terms of what round do you think he could potentially uh, be selected in?
2: Well, um, be honest with you, man, I'm I'm the kind of person that kind of shoots from the hip. So, um, I kind of want to be blunt about this, um, division two athletes, um, really don't have much of a chance in the draft. Um, let's just be real. Um, statistically 2%, 2% of the people that, uh, that are actually drafted each and every year come from the Division II ranks. Um, and most of us would agree that Baygent is likely one of them, um, and that would probably leave um, you know a guy like Joey out. Um, I certainly think that he has uh, the potential to be at the next level, um, but the statistics are what they are. It's, it's, it would be very difficult for him to get it. Um, I, I'm not going to completely rule it out, though, because I think what's going to happen is once he gets into some of these meetings and interviews, people are going to really like him and he's going to win people over in these interviews and uh, his stock is going to continue to rise, um, throughout this draft process. So I'm not going to rule it out, but, um, I definitely do think he has some potential to really, you know, uh, for his stock to rise, you know, over the you know coming weeks and months.
4: Are there any other guys at a uh, shepherd that you guys are looking at possibly for the hula bowl? Uh,
2: be honest with you uh, we would love to have Tyson um I think uh, a lot of people would and that's part of the reason why um we likely won't be able to get him because uh Bajan is just a, a guy who um you know uh, everybody's got their eye on him. senior bowl NFLPA bowl the shrine bowl um I don't know if there's anyone that's um eligible that we're that we would be looking at i mean um there's a lot of up and comers um that you know have some potential maybe you know in the coming years but um probably just those two guys um be to be quite honest with you
4: since you just mentioned uh eligibility what things uh make guys eligible for the hula bowl as well as uh just wondering some guys that have also been invited from around the country that might be notable
2: sure so um Obviously, um, this uh, season that we're in right now with the way that um, things are with uh, getting an extra year of COVID, um, it has kind of given us a little wrinkle because, you know, you get guys that um, are able to, you know, play for like six or seven years in college. um, But essentially, as long as they're a senior um, and, you know, have had, um, you know, four years' worth of college experience, uh, we could certainly, um, you know, invite them to our game. Um, uh, some of the people um, trying to recall some of the guys that have already been announced as invites um, that are coming to our game. Um, there was a player out of uh, Lane College who we decided to, um, you know, invite as well because they had uh, just got finished uh, beating, actually, a Division One opponent, um, which that really impressed us. And uh, the edge rusher there is Andrew Farmer. Um, so we, we decided our first go-around to really just kind of focus on the small school guys and give them some love and um, also uh, try and land a couple of specialists as well. Um, we ended up uh, inviting a long snapper by the name of uh, uh, Rob Soderholm out of DMI. Um, really wanted him at our game. And then we also invited um, uh, a, a guy out of Maryland, a kicker named uh, Chad Ryland, um, and um, he was really good i saw him uh, live um, just this weekend um, really did an excellent job a lot of people were just raving about him um, you know while i while was in the press box i mean one of his uh, kicks he probably could have gotten from 60 yards if he truly wanted to um, but he's he's a very solid athlete as well so um, got a lot more invites coming um, in the coming uh, days and um, and also um should be hearing that if you follow uh the Hula Bowl, we'll, we'll be getting out some more invites here soon.
1: And uh, any other people that you guys are kind of looking at across the state at the other schools in Virgi- or West Virginia in um, WVU and Marshall?
2: Uh, we are certainly considering a lot of people. Um, I don't want to completely share my hand, so to speak, but um, I will say that there are um, there's some great talent at West Virginia. Um and we are still looking at some of the people in the area, um, including um, obviously, you know, Pittsburgh and um, you know all of the surrounding area that uh, people are familiar with here. Um, I, I don't think I'm done with Maryland. Um, Maryland's got some more guys that uh, we may want to invite as well. So um, I don't know. I, I don't want to get into it too much if you don't mind, uh, because kind of like those things in house (laughs) as some of those players so um but uh any other question that you have in in that regard
3: i was going to move back towards Shepard and and tyson Bagent. um you know everybody pretty much thinks at this point that he's going to get a shot at the nfl uh what's your kind of evaluation of his game and similar question that i asked about joey where do you kind of see him falling in the draft
2: yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, when you look at the draft, I mean, 2% of the people that are drafted come out of Division II, and I am fairly confident that Bajan's going to be one of those guys. Um, if you think about um, – I was kind of looking back into the history. It's been a while since the Division II guy's actually been drafted at the quarterback spot. Um, it actually goes back to 2009 um, with uh, Keith Null, uh, West Texas A&M. So it's, it's obviously been a while. Um, but um, agent's going to be one of them. I mean, he's a guy who checks a whole lot of boxes when it comes to things like uh, size, productivity. Um, you know, obviously Harlan Hill winner. Um, he's very accurate, um, really commands the huddle, um, and, uh, you know, he just checks a lot of those boxes um, for me. I mean, and if, if I were to guess, I mean, I would put him – um, you know, he, he would be a third day uh, pick for most people um, but who's to say what's going to happen from now until then I mean I have a feeling that he could be one of these guys that's likely going to end up going to combine um, which would put him in a, a good spot um, to maybe even be drafted higher than most people expect
1: Jimmy Williams assistant director of scouting for the Hulbar guest thanks for the time Jimmy
2: sure man no problem
1: Thank you. And uh, we'll keep more about Shepard and the Hula Bowl, as or uh, Joey Fisher specifically, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to catch up with him sometime here soon.
4: Yeah, it'd be nice to get to talk with uh, Joey about being invited to the Hula Bowl as well as the success that he's had as well as the entire team of Shepherd.
3: Yeah, and I think it was interesting to hear some of those numbers. You know, only 2% of D2 guys – uh, get drafted so it's going to be tough uh to see two guys from the same school but um like we talked about before you look at Joey Fisher's game he definitely has a lot of things that could transition to the NFL even if he doesn't get drafted and ends up being undrafted uh he could he'll definitely get an opportunity I think in a training camp and a preseason to prove himself and uh it's nice though that he has this opportunity here at the Hula Bowl to potentially be one of those guys drafted uh you know you play well in an all-star game like that they talked about moving him to guard which i think is interesting that could raise his stock a little bit uh because typically guards don't have as much size as tackles and joey's a big guy but he might be more of an nfl guard than he is an nfl tackle uh which again is something that could help right raise his stock a little bit especially coming from the d2 level so uh interesting to hear that from jimmy and I, I, I thought it was a Good opportunity to, to hear more about the Hula Bowl as well.
1: Yeah, I did as well and uh, so thanks again to Jimmy Williams, Assistant Director of Scouting for the Hula Bowl for hopping on with us, talking a little Hula Bowl a little how Joey Fisher kind of got that invite. That'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix brought to you in part by Parsons Ford, Ken Parsons Ford in Martinsburg We became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more on the other side of this break. We'll talk Shepard. We got a... Uh, Big win on Saturday. Uh, numbers wise, when you look at the score, uh, we'll talk about that when we come back after this two-minute break. Or tune in the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR two ten back in two minutes.
0: Anybody, the way I do about you now. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR one hundred six point five FM, AM seven forty, and TV ten.
1: Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, and Colin hanging out with you today. We talked with Jimmy Williams, assistant director of scouting for the Hula Bowl last segment. Thanks, Tim, for coming on talking about kind of what the Hula Bowl is and how Joey Fisher got the invite to that, the first Shepard player ever to do so, to get an invite from there. Um, We'll transition now fully over to Shepard as it was Hall of Fame weekend in Shepardstown. They inducted three into the Hall of Fame. Uh, those were Chad Broadwater, football player in '98, Rick Hutterly, men's swimmer in '65, and Glenn Edwards, class of '74 for men's tennis. Uh, the terrific trio got inducted this past weekend. We talked about that a little bit when they announced who was coming on, who was going to be inducted with uh, Chauncey Wimbush AD for Shepard. Uh, but we'll talk about this football game where Shepard got the win, uh, handedly, per se, 72 to 7. Uh, not much of competition coming from Lockhaven who came in one and four.
3: Yeah, I think we kind of expected uh the Rams to win that one big going up against Lockhaven. I said Shepard could put up a hundred if it wants to, and obviously it didn't want to do that. Well, um, I
1: believe they played four quarterbacks.
3: Yeah, and Tyson Major only played at half, but it was crazy. We were sitting there close to that halftime. Shepard was up thirty four nothing when I checked the score and I looked and I saw 0 rushing yards for Shepherd but they were up 34 like, yeah. nothing. they only ran the ball twice and I, I think like, at, I think at one point Ronnie Brown had like negative 2 yards. Yeah. He ended up with like 90 something cuz he had an 85 yard touchdown yeah. run but um this match between Shepherd and Lockhaven Lockhaven really isn't uh one of the better teams in the country or even in the or in the conference at all. So it's it's not an it's not a uh impressive win in terms of in terms of uh just you know getting a win um over the opponent they were playing but uh it's an impressive win based on score and just dominating so i think that's the good thing for shepherd is they did what they were supposed to do and can work on a few things get some younger guys in the game but i don't know if it does much for the season in terms of you looking at it and being like, wow, you know, you beat up on Lockhaven. So that, that's the only thing. But, yeah. I mean, good win for Shepard either way. got to take care of who's on your schedule. Four of the five quarterbacks
1: on the roster got into the game. Tyson Bajan, we said, played a half. Christian Et- Etchison came in through a touchdown pass. Uh, Timmy Thompson got some time as well as, I believe it's Leak Powell. Yeah. The sophomore. Uh, the only quarterback not to participate was Sammy Roberts, the freshman getting redshirted this year. Uh, but, you know, when you look back at the stats and the numbers and, you know, as you mentioned, it was a lot of getting guys into play and uh, a lot of people
3: played. I I want to say almost the whole roster played. Yeah, probably everybody that's not receiving a red shirt. Yeah. Uh, but Blake Hartman scored his first touchdown for Shepard. Yep. So that was definitely something to shout out. You know, the Musman product continues to uh, find a role on this team. So that was cool to see. Uh Somebody else got their first touchdown, right? I'm sure a lot of people did. Alfonso Foray? Yes, Alfonso Foray did score two touchdowns in the win. So that's a guy that... becomes the 23rd player that Tyson Bajan's thrown a touchdown pass to. Yes, very uh, cool to see that. But I was going to say that that's a guy that they've tried to kind of work in more in the offense. And just for whatever reason, him and Tyson haven't really been clicking. Uh, But they clicked on Saturday, which was good. I think a step in the right direction for another weapon in this offense. It's, It's like do they really need another guy but yeah Shepard has guys that can make plays and I know Max Fisher's coming off injury so it's just going to be more and more guys that uh, Shepard can rely on in that receiver room to make plays which is going to make it tougher and tougher on the defense to stop really those main weapons that you think about Ryan Beach and Marlon Cook because the guys behind them can also make plays so it's uh, it's that's that's another good thing I think that you can take away from this win besides just a dominating win is you're able to see what other guys can do and, and they played well and very
1: balanced, <laughs> the definition of balanced running and passing, 296 yards running, 296 yards passing. Eventually, yeah, didn't start <laughs> off that way. It didn't start off that way, but still, I mean, that looks pretty good. Uh, an happen. average per rush of 11 yards per rush, five rushing touchdowns in the game. Uh eleven yards play on offense. Uh they did have ten penalties for seventy seven yards.
3: is that something that Coach McCook will definitely want to clean up. Yes. He'll mention that tonight. For sure.
1: He definitely will, but you know, looking down there, three of seven on third down, that's something he's also gonna to want to clean up. Uh, I believe Shepard got four sacks on the day for twenty four total yards. Um but uh, when you look back through this, it was a very dominant win. And Tyson Bajan, 16-21, 211 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, uh, Christian Etchison, 2-for-2, two, two two, 62 yards in the score. Leak Powell, 3-for-4, 23 yards. Ronnie Brown, four carries, ninety-five yards, or 92 yards, net yards, one touchdown. Blake Hartman, nine carries, 89 yards, a touchdown. Avon Holley gets back in the mix uh, with eight carries for 58 yards nazir nazir is that how you say it russell yes uh five carries 57 yards a touchdown tyson Bagent, one carry one yard for a touchdown uh daryl harper uh three catches 60 yards getting him in the action near rodney dorsey three catches 43 yards brian walker 41 yards a lot of guys get in this game and a lot of young guys get some good experience
4: yeah that's what you like to see in games like that when it's a 72 to 7 when you want to see your future guys getting some reps and still able to do as maybe not as well but still be successful on the field just like the starters were so hopefully that continues this week it's homecoming week so it's another special day that will have a little bit of outside emotion involved kind of like the homecoming day maybe a little bit more because it's for the guys that are currently there being homecoming so Hopefully, that doesn't do too much to them. I don't think it will. The offense is still the best in the country. The defense is clearly picked up, which is what we wanted to see compared to last season in Millersville, another team that has uh, kind of struggled in the PSAC.
3: Yeah, Millersville did, uh, you know, they took care of business against Lockhaven 49 7. Uh, but Shepard should still win this game, probably to a similar score of how Millersville beat Lockhaven, would be what I'm thinking. But. The Marauders did give the Rams a few issues here and there last season. Now that was a rainy day in Millersville. I don't True. know exactly what the weather's gonna be like on Saturday in Shepherdstown, but um, you know it was a rainy day on the road. I think it's gonna be very nice on Saturday. It was it was a tough matchup for Shepherd in that sense because you were going on the road in the rain and Tyson Bajan ended up throwing three interceptions. Now, the Millersville offense couldn't do anything in the game. So that that made Shepard get that win 38 to 13. But the defense for Millersville was tough. So we'll see if they can be similar this year or if Shepard's going to handle them with pretty much no problems. That would be my expectation. But hey, you never know. And we know we're going to get, or Shepard's going to get the best effort from Millersville. So that should be uh, what I think is intriguing about this matchup but you don't want to overlook it it's a potential trap game of westchester there on the horizon kind of a bigger opponent that can get you more amped up potentially so i think it being homecoming helps the rams too they should have a good crowd
1: a great crowd is always down there at rams stadium uh but not a lot else locally in college football because uh everybody's on by everybody's on by with uh wvu playing thursday at home against baylor yes yes baylor I was looking ahead. It was Texas Tech. I know. They I just sent you scheduled. That, so the, I
4: kind of yeah got you confused with that. Uh,
1: they scheduled the time for next week's game. It's a three thirty kick, um, I believe. Uh, is it at home? I don't remember off the top of my head. I'll have to look at that. Uh, but uh, then Marshall plays Wednesday night against uh, Louisiana that's going to be a big one on national TV as well uh, but uh, that will do it for this segment of the Sports Mix brought to you in part by Orsini's Home Store not just an appliance store any longer cabinets and designer bedding outdoor living it family owned and operated located at 360 Hack Wilson Way in Martinsburg you can go to Orsini's dot com for more on the other side of this break we'll talk about high school football uh, between Friday and Saturday we had a couple Games on our airwaves. Uh, we'll talk about those and kind of what they potentially mean for the rankings. Nick did a little uh, crunching some numbers for us. Our math, our resident math guy on the
0: program. will be back. Talk more after this two minute break. Now back to the sports mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR one hundred six point five FM AM seven forty and TV ten.
1: Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio, WRNR, and TV 10 Appropriate. It's now fall, and it's the boys of fall. Uh, Had a great, great one on Saturday, but we'll start Friday. We'll start how it goes. We'll go Friday and into Saturday because we'll talk more about what the Martinsburg game means Later on. So let's just kind of go through the other games for you. On Friday night, the 72nd all time meeting between Musselman and Edgesville, it was all Appleman, 62 13. Baden Hartman at 380 yards through the air and 129 on the ground with seven total touchdowns. Not much more to say. It's got to be over 500 yards of offense by one singular person. That's got to be a Musselman record. Unless Blake, his brother, held that record.
4: Yeah, we'll have to get uh, B. Tom's input on that one, but that was just sheer dominance by Musselman, and it seemed like at first that it was was actually going to be competitive because it was 14-13 at one point. Musselman still had the edge, and obviously after that it was all Appleman, as Spencer just said, but Hartman looked great, and it seemed like the defense just really was able to figure out what Hedgesville was doing and... From there, they couldn't get anything going, and Musselman's offense was unstoppable.
1: The Applemen five and one now, off to a really good start with a lot of with two big key matchups coming up on the schedule. Uh, the Eagles fall to four and three. They get a bye this week, a much needed bye. Yeah, they really need interest. to rest up. Yeah, and kind of a one key to that game, I think, was how much they split the time at quarterback.
3: Yeah, I think that. Factor, but I'm just not certain how healthy Ruest was, or whatever the case may be. But I think one thing from the Mussman side of things that stood out to me was the Applemen were not satisfied in that game at any point. Uh, Coach Thomas, you know, was pretty angry about how his team played because of just some poor execution at times. You know, penalties were really holding them back from extending the lead or, or just playing a more clean football game. I'm sure he was fine with the score and, and the results, but in terms of getting the win, but not really happy with some of the little things. And I think that's a, a good sign, of, or a sign of a good coach. Yeah. And Coach Thomas, and then also his players are the same way, or at least Baden Hartman is. You know, as soon as we talked to him, he said, "You know, I played pretty good, but we need to be better overall." And I think those are two good things that Mussman showed on Friday night they got better as that game went on. And also, you know, just because they beat, you know, pretty good Hedgesville team 62 to 13 doesn't mean that their goals or their season is going to go great from here on out because you still have things to clean up, which I think really stood out to me about that win for Musselman. Not so much uh, dominating Hedgesville because, as we know, Hedgesville was really injured. You know, they were just trying to fight through those injuries and and put on the best effort they could. And I think they did that, but I think Musselman – didn't take it lightly in the second half and really tried to clean those things up and get better as a football team. And that that's an important thing that I kind of took away from the game.
4: Yeah, it's scary when a coach at halftime in the league 35 14 that. tells you that that was the worst half of football. I, I could have told you he was going to say that, Colin. All season long. It, it was kind of a little surprising to me because I, knew, I thought, yeah, the they had some execution issues and the penalties, but you're still up. 35 14 I wouldn't yeah but they, say they were that all big the chunk worst points. half of football I'd say we still need to clean those up I'm not satisfied but I wouldn't go as far as saying the worst but I, but I know I think, it's an emotional I mean that's a good coach, coach it was in at the time to fire his guys up and clearly it works because they went on to score what was it another four I think touchdowns it was three three touchdowns well
3: right. I think it's all about circumstance too yeah um, I think you obviously you look at the numbers and the worst half of football Muslims played this season was against Martinsburg in the second half, right? I mean, they gave up like 35 points in the second half, but that's Martinsburg. I mean, yeah. so it's a different kind of opponent, different kind of situation. And they still might've felt better about how they executed in that second half than how they executed against yeah. uh, Hedgesville in the first half in some ways. So I think that's probably where what Coach Thomas was looking at more so than the score, because the score is not always what a coach is concerned with when it comes to how he feels his team is playing.
1: Yeah, I would say that as well. And Musselman has a big test this Friday as they uh, travel to Wheeling Park, Wheeling Park 4-2 and two on the season. Uh, that, as well, I mean, every coach is going to tell you the next biggest game on the schedule. The biggest game on the schedule is the next one. Uh, but Morgantown, or excuse me, Wheeling Park was off last week. They had just beat Morgantown on the 30th of September, uh, 34-14, uh, which was more convincing than Musselman beat Morgantown. So it'll be interest. This will be this could possibly be the game of the week this week could in the be. state, according to those people in the state. Uh, but we'll move on to the next game uh, on Friday night. Jefferson beats James Wood out of Virginia, handed Lee 40-7. The Cougars now 5-2, and two, uh, putting themselves squarely in the fight for the EPAC, really.
3: Yeah, that's very well, not, true. Not necessarily the e back. I mean Martinsburg but a, probably finish on the top ten. They track. could
1: if I mean if they could finish eight and two or eight and three seven and three, you could be a top ten team in the state. They
3: still have to yeah. play Martinsburg.
1: Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's I why know. I said seven and three. I corrected myself.
3: <laughs> um I really do think the these past few games was just more how is Jefferson gonna clean things up and get back on track than really showing us too much about Jefferson as a team this year. In terms of where they will contend because most or all three of those teams have it's it's kind of deceiving I think in terms of final scores but these next three weeks we know they're playing EPAC teams and it will be good challenges for them you know Hedgesville uh, Washington and and Martinsburg not in that order again but (laughs) uh, those games will tell us more i think about jefferson in terms of where they can be in this postseason and what kind of team they have this year um i think they have a good team and they've proven that the last couple of weeks that they're good but can they be a great or can they be one of the actual contenders to make a deep run in the playoffs i'm not certain about that yet so these next three weeks will really be uh what tells us more about jefferson as a team but again they took care of business against a team they should be which is what you always want to see yeah uh, when you're playing a, a a team that you should beat. Yeah,
1: and let's move on now. Spring Mills falls to double A Fair or Frankfurt thirty five twenty eight. Seemed like a pretty close game for a little bit there. Uh but they now fall to two and four with Martinsburg this Friday, uh, they're really fighting to stay five hundred on the year.
3: That's yeah. a good thing that Coach Sims talked about was they gotta find ways to win these close games. And having a young team they haven't really figured that out yet. So we'll see you here moving forward. I mean, Martinsburg, that's going to be you know, an extremely tough game, as we know. But just moving forward as a program, you know, could Spring Mills be the one that comes out on top in these games? Because you could have two more wins on your season if you were able to do that the last couple of weeks.
4: Yeah, they won the close one against Washington. But as you just said, you barely lost to Frankfurt, who's a pretty solid team in double. I believe I saw that they were, I think, seventh last week and then you allowed uh, Edgesville to break your heart by one point. So if those games were reversed, it'd be a whole different story for this young team.
1: Yeah, it definitely would be, and their opponent this week will be Martinsburg. Martinsburg plays, played on Saturday. Uh, they fell to Riverside out of Ohio 36-35 in a game in which they were up 35-17 at halftime.
4: Yeah, it, it's frustrating uh, blowing a 18 point lead and going scoreless in the second half but you still don't want to hold your heads down because you got to focus on the rest of the season you're still power rankings wise and to a lot of people's minds in the state of West Virginia the team to beat the best team in the state both losses have been to teams from out of state so I still think that the state championship is in the reach easily for Martinsburg but it's definitely been a different season than what fans are used to I was looking it up because I was curious and the last time it was a two loss season for Martinsburg was back in 2015-2016 and the last time that it was two losses at home in the regular season if you want to count the 2007 season which the first two games had to be ruled as forfeits but if you don't want to count that it was 2000 it's been that long Since Martinsburg lost two games at home, it was the first week of the season a loss to Musselman, then the last week of the regular season homecoming against Fort Hill.
3: Yeah, I think it's interesting because Martinsburg is undefeated, obviously in the state of West Virginia, and their two losses are out of state teams. But it would be kind of different to see a two-loss state champion. So it's definitely different, but it's like talent-wise, those two teams that Martinsburg played. Are probably top three teams in the state of West Virginia if they were in the state of West Virginia. Yeah,
1: so it's. I think Highland Springs would contend to be a number
3: one team yeah, in the state. of West Highland Virginia. Springs would be the best team. I mean, they. And it wouldn't be close. So, yeah. uh, it's a weird situation. But if you're looking at terms of where the Bulldogs would be come playoff time, if I did my math correctly right now, I believe Parkersburg South will be the number one team this week, followed by Musselman, Spring Valley, then Martinsburg, just edging out hurricane for the fourth spot so it's definitely you know tougher to win the state title from the four seed opposed to winning it from the one or two yeah but it's doable and if you were to you know run into a what a 4v1 and let's say muscleman ends up being one i mean that's not a far travel for you in the semi-finals so who knows and you've you already, already beat know. them once yeah yeah,
1: Handedly. So, I mean... Literally the exact... Or no, I not I don't have the exact score on me, but I mean like that's 62-20. Yeah, so almost the exact score that Musselman B. Hedgesville. One touchdown off.
3: Yeah, um, so it's, I think it's interesting yeah. to see. And I think it's good that Martinsburg's faced some adversity at this point in the season. I think it makes them tougher. It'll make them better come the postseason. Um, and they faced that last year at the loss of Spring Valley. So... I mean, it was
1: really that Riverside rushing attack that kind of did it this last weekend. 249 yards on the ground, only 88 for Martinsburg, 378 through there for Martinsburg, though. Uh, They did have put up more total yards, 466 to 398. But, I mean, you know,
3: we talked to... And one more thing here. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. You're good. Uh, But I'd say this loss kind of teaches you more than the Highland Spring loss does, because I think you could look at that as just saying, well, they were just better. But I don't yeah. think it's necessarily better than Martinsburg. Martinsburg just didn't execute at the end of the game. So you can learn more from this one and get better as a team, I think, more so than just getting blown out by a team that's just better than you. I think yeah. you learn more, you get better, and then you prevent something like that happening again next time you're in control of a game.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, you talk about your little math there you did of the scores throughout the state, some big uh, – Big things happening throughout the state with uh, number one Spring Valley falling to number eight at the time. Cabell Midland twenty-one seventeen. Uh, I predict that one off the air. Uh, and you guys were saying that was the dumbest thing for me to. I didn't
3: s- say it was the dumbest. You thing. said that's I not going to happen. I said Spring Valley is going to win that football game. Yeah, and but what I was happened? wrong?
1: Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, looking around the state, a couple teams had buys. Park South has a buyer Had a buy, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, you know, Huntington beats up a number nine Woodrow Wilson, forty two fifteen. Uh t- t- Morgantown beats double eight, Number eleven Frank or Framont senior fourteen nothing. Uh, you know, not a lot of not a lot of big games this weekend beside last week besides that uh that Cabell-Midland-Spring Valley game with Cabell-Midland prevailing. But that will do it for this segment of the Sports Mix brought to you in part by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car-buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you. If you like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com. For more on the other side of this break, we'll talk NFL and uh, wrap things up on this edition of the Sports Mix. Talk Nick's uh, experience last night at the club level. At M&T Bank Stadium for a Sunday night football win, breaking the streak for the Ravens at home on a uh, big field goal. We'll talk about that when we come back after this two-minute break. You're tuned in the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV Ten.
0: You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR one hundred six point five FM AM seven forty and TV Ten. Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk
1: Radio WRNR and TV 10, brought to you in part by the Marys Group and Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. You can call Ameriprise Financial Services at 304-263-4343 or stop by their offices right here in Martinsburg at 1270 Winchester Avenue. Spencer Nick and Colin are going to close out the show today here, about seven minutes left. And then you'll hear the Neil Brown Press Conference show as they've got a game Thursday night, so everything pushed back a couple days. Uh, and then tomorrow night will be the Neil Brown Coaches Show. Uh, that'll ha- We'll have those two for you. Uh, but we'll start with the Commanders. They fell 21-17 to to the Titans, a game in which was winnable until the final drive at the two-yard line. They had, what, three plays? Yeah, it was first and goal from the two. And then I don't know why you don't run the ball once there.
4: Yeah, even what killed him was that they didn't have the timeouts.
1: Yeah, so we'll they set that challenged up that play.
4: <laughs> they challenged the play, lost the timeout, so they only had two. They used it earlier in that drive, but I still think you gotta at least try to run the ball once with the guys that you got. You got Robinson back, who is supposed to be your big running back to really be that power back in that situation. And instead, you go three times passing wise with a very weak offensive line to put Wentz in tough situations to have to try to just drill the ball through and hope that the guy makes the catch and was it all three times that he targeted running backs? No, the first one was the weird lob that went to nobody Bates, in, well intended for Bates, but went to nobody in the back of the end zone. Which then, if
1: he was going to do that, he should have just thrown it into the stands. The other
4: two were to running backs.
1: Yeah, his favorite targets. Yeah,
4: it, it was just bad situation football, and eventually it was a WVU guy that got the ceiling interception for Tennessee. But,
1: but when you look at the numbers, 25-38, of 38, 359 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, that sounds like a Carson Wentz game
4: for you. Yeah, it, it wasn't <laughs> bad, but what people are going to remember is you didn't win on the final drive and you threw an interception that cost you.
1: Not only that, uh... It was a showout game for Deami Brown.
4: Yes, it was. Two that catches, 105 positive.
1: yards, two touchdowns. A guy that didn't show much during the offseason this year. A guy that was kind of getting buried on the depth chart. A draft pick. A, you know, what was he? A third round pick last year? I think so. A you know a top end draft pick, not a back end of the draft. He he was really the lone guy at the back of the depth chart. I think he was an active week one potentially, yeah. if I remember correctly. And uh, with Jahan Dotson out, he shows you what he can do. Yep. And also, that's something that Carson Wentz can do that Taylor Heineke couldn't do. Throw the deep ball.
4: That's true, but also at the same time. Not consistently, though. In that yeah. last drive, I almost partially would have liked to have Heineke in that first and goal situation on the two just to give a threat of him running yes. instead of Wentz, who used to be a guy that could scramble back in the day but after that injury he's been hesitant to very hesitant from the outside I don't like that
3: looking in not as a commander fan I just I wonder when you have the changing there with your head coach and Ron Rivera who hasn't had a winning record since getting to Washington hasn't had a winning record as a head coach since 2017 so I just don't know if he is the best guy for that job at this point in his career
1: all right, well moving on. The Bills all over the Steelers ruins Kenny Pickett's debut thirty eight to three. not really shocked there. Not a great year for the Steelers. Uh, for for them. And then the Ravens get a big win last night on Sunday night football uh field goal to win the ball game from none other than the GOAT, Justin Tucker.
3: Uh, big win. You were there in attendance. It's a great win, great game to be a part of. Um you know the ravens were able to get that field goal there at the end uh the things that stood out to me though i think the defense has played really well the last two weeks i know they lost to the bills but i still felt like the defense did a pretty good job in particular the play of marlon humphrey has been outstanding uh holding the two two of the top receivers in the league uh in stefan diggs and jamar chase to pretty average games um i think is impressive and he may be back to that all pro level that he was at a couple of years ago so that's good to see. Unfortunately Marcus Williams goes down with a dislocated wrist so he's going to be out 1 to 2 months um which is you know a big loss for the Ravens secondary but I think if the defense can keep playing pretty well uh the offense has had its moments here and there I think they get a little bit more healthy offensively. Uh this team will be in good shape so take control of the division, good win. Fun game to be a part of. Joe Burr, of and 0 and 2 in the division. Yeah, Joe Burr, 0 and 2 in the division. I was waiting for that uh, text and we got
1: it last night.
3: And then Tucker made that field goal, so good to see. And you need to take control of the division now if you're Baltimore. And uh, hopefully they can just keep it going against the Giants next week. Yeah. Which it looks like it could be a tougher game than you might think originally.
1: Yeah, Giants get a 27 22 victory over the Packers. Chargers get a 30 20 win over the Browns. It's uh, Eagles. Stay winning 5 0, 20 17 victory over the Cardinals. Cowboys get another win 22 to 10
3: over the Rams. I predicted that on the show, by the way. Did you? you? Did. I did. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, you did. Since we're talking about predictions. But I also had the Mets winning the World Series. So <laughs> nah, I don't follow baseball. <laughs> uh, Matt
1: way. Rule gets the kick to the door or kick to the curb this morning. Fired after a bad start for the Panthers 1 and 4, and then they lost 37 15. going to the Nears?
4: I did see that joke already.
3: There's an state. They're Speaking
1: happy. of the nears, uh, the Neil Brown press conference show coming up at the top of the hour sure here, the but the that'll do it for this edition of the sports mix. Thanks to Jimmy Williams from the, the associate director of scouting for the hula bowl for coming on, talking about the hula bowl and Joey Fisher being named to participate in the hula bowl. Uh, but uh, that'll do it for this edition of the sports mix. Again, the Monday night mayhem live from the neon moon. 6 to 8 p.m. tonight. I uh, will be there with uh, Ernie McCook and Tyson Bajan, another player. But for Colin Nick, I'm Spencer saying so long. We'll talk to you tomorrow.